Let's do that hockey. And here we go. This is episode 80 of the DPR show, Dauber Prospects. I'm your host, Peter Harling. Thanks for subscribing and listening to the show. Thank you very much to everyone who does uh, a review and a rating. I really appreciate that. Thank you very much to those who share episodes of the show on social media as well. That really, really helps. I appreciate that. Coming up on this episode, I'm going to be taking a look at... Rebuilding your fantasy hockey team. It's the NHL All-Star break time of year as we record as I record this on January 23rd. It's that time of year. Maybe your team's not looking like it's going to make it. Maybe this is something that is a difficult decision for you to come to. Maybe you knew it right out of the gate. Uh, either way, if you're rebuilding your fantasy hockey team, this will be a good episode for you. I'm going to talk a little bit about that. I'm going to look at a couple different rosters and different scenarios as well about breaking it down. I'm also going to review my Ottawa Senators top 10 prospect rankings that I just recently published on um, my NHL trade rumors. Uh, it's a pretty great list of, of prospects. And in fact, with honorable mentions and sleepers, it's a top 20 Ottawa Senators prospect ranking. So lots of really good prospects on the fantasy side for you to look at from the Ottawa Senators organization. And they're also a team that's kind of in a bit of a rebuild, so it ties in nicely with the theme of this episode, and that's uh, rebuilding hockey teams, uh, NHL or fantasy. So let's get down to it. Pitter-patter, let's get at her. There's a couple of different ways you can look at how you want to rebuild your, your fantasy team, and it, it comes down to how bad is, is your team. Uh, did you inherit a team that's just a dumpster fire or have you been a terrible fantasy general manager? Have you been uh, ignoring the obvious that your team's actually not good? Are you stuck in that awkward middle phase? Um, so you can either do one of three methods. I have it broken down into these three categories. And the first one is scorched earth. This one hurts. It's your team is awful. Everything must go. Burn it to the ground. Everyone's available because you don't have any long-term assets uh, nothing that's going to help you out in the next two years. So everyone's available. Uh, this is a two to three year process. Uh, you're going to want to get nothing but assets that will allow you to either improve your trade value for flip around trades or draft picks are fantastic. Uh, the value of draft picks depends on your league. If it's a league like some of the kind I'm in where it's full, like 20 team rosters with full rosters and full prospect bents. Your, your draft pick value is not as high. I mean, you're looking at guys who are entry level or college free agents. Some nice players there, but they're either low impact or a few years away uh, outside of maybe one or two players that are stars in the entry draft. Um, if you're in a league that's not quite as deep or doesn't keep everyone and you can draft uh, players that are in the NHL, uh, just outside other teams' keepers, then then that's an, uh, a strategy as well. Uh, so that's Scorched Earth. Sell anything for picks and prospects. And a cautionary tale there, if you've been doing this, if you're in this process right now and your fantasy team is is still not competitive, you're, you're doing it wrong. You are stuck in futures mode. You should be able to 
burn it to the ground and build it back up within two to three years um, in fantasy hockey. They look at a couple of teams in the NHL that are able to go from from low to high real quick. Uh, Vegas was an expansion team, and they just went right to the Stanley Cup Finals. So it can be done real quick. Uh, I'm not saying it's it's easy and it's a slam dunk, but you know, if you've been in a rebuild mode for five years, it's time to revisit your strategy um, and maybe make less trades. Uh, so the second option, if your team's not a total dumpster fire. Uh, you might want to do a rebuild. So this is a one to two year process. So you've got a team, it's okay. You've got some good players, some you know f- recent draft picks, some guys that are in their early 20s that are high impact producing players. Uh, you want to hold on to those guys. Uh, you want to keep those th- key players, three to five guys at, at least, um, and sell off all your other assets and veterans uh, in order to... Uh, to rebuild your peripheral scoring. Um, so you build around your core. And then the other one is an even finer version. The third option, you want to retool. This is like a, a one-year turnaround. You you have a good team. Maybe you have Dustin Bufflin and he's kind of screwed you not playing all year. and You've had to reserve that cap space, speaking from experience. Uh, or maybe you just had a player that got injured right out of the gate all season and has, has really under underwhelmed your your team. Or uh, maybe your players just have underwhelmed in general. I mean, you have good players. You know they're good. Everyone looks at your team and says, wow, I can't believe you're not in first. Uh, so you don't want to blow it up, but you know you're not good enough to compete uh, because you have a key injury or whatever the case may be. So you look to make some trades with the guys who are just ahead of you in the standings that do have a chance to, to go all in. Uh, you trade them a player or two uh, and get some, some good futures and some players that will help you out next year. Maybe you trade for a guy that has, you know, Dougie Hamilton. You trade for Dougie Hamilton. Um, he's obviously not going to help you this year. He's not going to help the guy who's closer to winning than you are, but he'll be good to go next year. Um, so you would trade him for a player that doesn't have the same kind of upside. Uh, okay. So those are a couple of ways, a couple of overall strategies you want to look at for rebuilding your fantasy team. Totally terrible, not so bad or pretty good. Uh, and then of course for acquiring players, there's a couple different ways you want to do that. And they're all super fun, uh, and they can all be extremely effective. Uh, trading is probably the most risky one when you trade players, you got to give something to get something. And sometimes you trade a, a player and then uh, he turns around and breaks out, kind of like what happened with me and Jordan Biddington. I signed him as a free agent. I had too many goalies. I had to choose between him or Georgiev. I chose Georgiev and I, I let Biddington go. And he went on to be the greatest goalie in the history of time for about a half a season uh, and could have maybe cost me a, a win. Say la vie. Uh, so trading for players and prospects on your rebuild. There's a lot of different strategies you can look at at this as well. A bunch of different ways you can you can approach trading. And in your league uh, metrics really influence this as well. If you're in a hard salary cap lead, that has a tremendous impact on trade value for players. And you want to use your cap space as trade leverage. So if you're in a rebuilding situation, uh, you do not want to take on long-term 
crappy contracts because that will really make it difficult for you to flip the switch to go from a rebuilding to a contender if you've got these deadweight contracts gobbling up cap space and not contributing. You are very interested in acquiring these players if they are on expiring contracts or if you're in a scorched earth situation and you're going to be two years rebuilding anyways, you can go ahead and add a guy like P.K. Subban who if you have the cap floor that you need to hit, he gives you a nice $9 million boost, helps get you up to the cap floor so you don't have any sort of tanking penalties that'll cost you your draft pick. Um, and by the time his contract expires, you'll inherit a whole bunch of cap space and hopefully the young players that you have that are on their ELCs and then jump up into a bigger a bigger salary range, that'll all just work really nicely. Uh, so salary cap is a huge influence on, on trade injuries. As I've already mentioned is a strategy you can leverage to your advantage. If you have a player you want to target that is out for the year, uh, someone you can acquire and you can say, Hey, I can give you, you know, he's a 80 point player. I'll take him off your roster, but he's not going to contribute anything for you this year. I'll give you the 60 point player who is in the NHL and is healthy and is playing. Um, or I can, you know, give you a, an equal player and you throw me a draft pick as well, kind of sweeten it for me. Uh, that's a that's a great way to really get value. And you always want to try to offer trades that offer value to the person you're trading to. So look at what your targets are. Find players on teams that you're like, that's the kind of player I want to get. Look at that team. Look at their trade block if they have one posted on Fantrax or in your form. What do they want? What do they need? Are they asking for some of the things that you have assets that you're selling? Uh, then you can do a win-win kind of trade. And even if they don't, maybe you can look at it and make them a trade offer and say, hey, uh, I noticed you have Dougie Hamilton and he's not contributing for you for the rest of the season. Um, would you be interested in trading him to me for a player that's healthy? That kind of stuff. So what's in it for the other guy? Um, draft picks and prospects are certainly things that you want if you're in a rebuild. They're pretty risky though. Um, if you know you don't pay enough attention to draft eligible prospects and the minors, then these assets aren't necessarily super good for you. I mean, if you draft players that don't pan out or have a low fantasy upside, if you're just going off the NHL draft board, that, that can be pretty risky you can end up with um you know uh logan stanley as your building block first round pick and well that's just not going to help you in fantasy in most league formats um so a tremendous amount of, of research is required if you're listening to this podcast that's a good start um so drafting early round blue chip prospects mid to late round picks, quick turnaround, those are the kind of things that you're, you're looking for. You're looking for um, different strategies in, in your draft. I've talked about this before on podcasts as well. So in leagues like the one I'm in, your entry-level draft consists of um, entry-level prospects and players who are coming to the NHL for the first time via Europe or the NCAA or free agency of some format. So in the first round for sure so the first 20 picks um i would only take um entry level players unless i think that it's a player coming from europe that has artemi panarin upside in value then i would go ahead and, and and take a player like that uh when you move on a little bit and you get outside of the the first or second round i really start 
taking a look at um, either play, drafting players that are entry-level that have um, boomer-bust potential. So in the first round, you're, you're looking for those sure things, right? Like those players who are going in the first round of the NHL draft that will have a whole bunch of opportunity and, and are, are promising very high potential um, will have trade value for years because they're drafted in first round NHL, et cetera, et cetera. In the, in the later rounds, I'm looking for either prospects who have a boomer bust upside or a much shorter ETA to the NHL. And the reason why I like that is is pretty obvious. Um, I don't like having my prospect bench full of players who are years away because a lot of them just will never make it no matter how much you like them and how convinced you are that they're all fantastic not all of them are going to make it and it's a pretty short list of job opportunities in the nhl and it's, it's tough for the prospects to make it there's been a number of prospects that i've thought were surefire nhlers and you know they, they just were never able to progress enough past the AHL level to make it full-time in the NHL. It is a tough nut to crack. So by drafting players who are coming over from Europe as free agents and at 23 years old or, or college players who have never been drafted and played out their NCAA, uh, like Taro Hirose, uh, sign as free agents, have really great um, junior and senior years in college playing against the younger players, of course. Uh, those guys, you can you can draft them, and they're likely going to play the next season in the AHL, like Max Verono on Ottawa Senators. And in not more than one season, you will know if this player is worth keeping or not. Is he dominating at the AHL? Is he struggling at the AHL? Um, is he gone right to the NHL, or is he not even an AHL player? Is he playing in the ECHL, or is he looking like he's going to Europe. So you can use a whole bunch of draft picks, collect a whole bunch of assets, and if they're not panning out, then you purge. And you know, chances are you have a whole bunch of draft picks for the next couple of years if you're rebuilding a quantity of picks. You want to turn those over quickly. They need to either graduate to your roster or fade out or be in the middle where you know they're still in junior, uh, but they're scoring like 100 points in junior, so the boomer bust potential is, is high with that player. Um, and then the third way to acquire players is free agents or waiver wire, depending on what your league calls them or how your rules are. And this is a really, 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 really great way to get free value. You give up nothing, you just use a roster space, um, and... In a lot of cases, these players are players that you have to sit on for some term because the guys who are on the cusp of, of making it into the NHL are already acquired in deep, deep leagues. Um, but you certainly want to be scouting prospects in the AHL. Um, look at teams' top 10 prospects on places like the sites that I write for in your hockey pool magazines, on Dauber. They've got all the Dauber prospects. We have the, the prospect depth chart. Pour over those. Look at that stuff. Go to Elite Prospects, look at league-leading scores. Um, if, you're, if you're lucky and you sign up for a premium like me, you can sort it by who's drafted and who's not. Um, so what you're looking for there is players who are having really great seasons in the lower leagues. Um, check them out on Fantrax. Uh, look if they're, if they're unowned. 
if you're using fan tracks, a quick way to, to, to look for some good free agent players is sort the players by their NHL team. And then it'll tell you which players are owned in your fantasy and which ones are free agents. And then have your list of top prospects for that team in either in a magazine or on, on another site, you know, a split screen or a different browser. And just go back and forth, right? And look at who's, who's available, who are the top prospects, and then look to see which ones are available on your roster. Uh, so those are some, some strategies for rebuilding your fantasy team and then some, some ways on how to acquire players and some thoughts on, on how to acquire them as well. So recently on, on Twitter, um, I had someone reach out to me. It would be Ben Burns at Burnsy1022. And uh, he asked me whether you're in a 31-team league, a 24-team, or 12-team, at what point do you strip it down, piece out the big boys for futures, and spare parts, and draft, and wait? Do you always strive to compete even if you're 11 out of 20 or 20 out of 31? So I like this question a lot. And it's pretty much inspired this episode. It's, it's an episode that I've been planning to do for a while. But this Twitter question that was sent to me by Ben um, was a catalyst for me making this episode. So it's a great question. And I think it has a lot to do with, um, with your team in your league. How deep is your team... Um, but I think you know if you just look at your roster and look at where you are in the standings look at the teams that are ahead what's their roster look like and look at the teams that are a little bit behind you what do their rosters look like you know if you're good, bad, or, or ugly um, and if you're not in first you're, you know, you're the first place loser if you come in second so there's always that mentality too um, I think if you want to rebuild your, your team timing is also really important as well if you're looking at doing a rebuild and doing it mainly through the draft you want to take a look at timing it so that you have a lottery pick in a draft that's that's good um so this year's draft is is a good one i'd say the top 10 have great value um but you know it's it's not necessarily the deepest draft um and then you look at 2021 uh, who are some of the top players available there, um, and then so on and so forth, right? So you don't want to be the guy that, that blows it up and tanks his team and ends up drafting Nail Yakupov or Alexander Degg or something to that effect. You want to blow it up and be in the lottery for Connor McDavid or Austin Matthews, right? You want to be in that draft. Um, so timing is important as well. If you're if you're counting on the draft, look at uh, doing it any year where you're you're going to get one of those impact players. Uh, so his question uh, is interesting, and I'll give you an example of of his team. So he's in a twenty team league, and it's basically a full team with a not necessarily a full prospect bench, but very deep. So his forwards are Pacioretty, Eichel, Marner. Killorn, Pedersen, and Gusev. And it starts to thin out pretty hard after this. Mont, Derek Ryan, Zach Cassian, Danton Heinen, uh, Zach Smith, Tarasenko, Paul Sundquist, Brown, Ayafalo, Clutterbuck, Perry. His defense, TJ Brody, 
Justin Schultz, Troy Stetcher, Justin Braun, Johnny Boychek, Barbario, and in goal, he's got Riddich and Talbot, so the Calgary handcuff, with uh, Matt Murray from Pittsburgh and Deming. His prospects are not bad, but not fantastic. Um, he's got Kuffner, Jared Anson, Dolan, Bocage, Maximov, Lazat, Steenburgen, Timishov, Duggan, Mateos, Nordgren, Zavgorodny, Pustinin, Sukolov. On defense, he's got Joey Duzak, Lacombe, and Zamula. Not much depth on D. And then he's got a bunch of goalies. Broussard, Comrier, Kaskasuo, Madsen, um, Sparks, and... I forget the other guy. Uh, so my suggestion to you, Ben, is do I think you should uh, rebuild... Scorched Earth or Retool, I think you're looking at a, at a rebuild situation here. You don't want a Scorched Earth. You've got Eichel, Marner, Patterson, Pacioretty's okay. Um, you know, that's a, good, that's a good core. You've got yourself a great foundation to work with there. Um, you've got Tarasenko, who's been injured all year. So that has a lot to do with why you're not as high in the standings as you would like, why you're in the middle of the pack which is, I think is where you said you are. Um, you've got Gusev, who's uh, a player that's trending up. I would probably hold on to him. Um, Pacioretty is a player, I think, that you might be able to parlay for some better futures. I would look at that as an option. I'm not sure what your scoring looks like, but your defense is, is pretty underwhelming, and you don't have much help coming there. You've got Zamula. I like him, and I think that's about it. Um, but Brody, Schultz, Stetcher, Braun, Boychek, and Barbario are not real impressive options there. Um, like I said, I don't know what your, your stats, your scoring stats are for D or what your requirements are, or if it's capped or not, whatever. Um, all your other forwards, I would say, would be pretty expendable. Killorn, Ryan, Mott, Paul, Sunquist, Smith, Brown, Clutterbuck, Perry. If you can get futures for any of those players, I would. I would uh, look at maybe trying to get some some defense because your defense, as I said, is thin. You don't have any help coming. Uh, goaltending varies significantly in fantasy leagues. It can either be critical or not really important. Uh, it tends to be more on the important side. Uh, and you've got Riddich and Talbot. Talbot's a UFA, um, so I'm not sure if cap is an, is an issue in your league either. Um, but I would say your goaltending isn't great. It's not helping you. I would say it's it's terrible. Um, but you don't have any immediate help coming there either. So if you're a cap league and you're going to lose Talbot, if he prizes himself out of your comfort zone, which is unlikely, um, you certainly have some, some work to do there. Uh, so you're in a, I would say, a rebuild situation. I would say in one or two years, you want to be competing for a championship um, with your Eichel, Marner, Pedersen, trio uh, throw Tarasenko in there too I would be reluctant to trade Tarasenko right now because his trade value as as an injured player all season will be real real low uh, it's people have short memories right they don't remember that how good he is and that he contributes goals and, and hits and a whole bunch of, of shots and uh, power play and a whole bunch of stats uh, so unless someone gives you very good value for him I would be reluctant to, to trade him um I'm also in a, in a rebuild situation in the team I inherited in a league. Um, 
I came in, the team was kind of in the middle of the league. And uh, after a couple of weeks where I lost to some teams that I, I identified as lottery contenders and I lost to one or two of them, I was, that was like, wow, maybe my team is not nearly as good as I thought. And I had Brad Marchand as my key player. And I really like Brad Marchand. Um, he's a douchebag for sure, but uh, he's a tremendous hockey player. And he provides a lot of stats, and this is a multi-cat league. So um, I really liked owning him in my fantasy league because he was just crushing it for me. But wasn't enough. And so I decided that because he's the age that he is, that it now would be a good time to sell high on him. And uh, unfortunately, I didn't have my own draft pick. So this is another really important concept for me for rebuilding, is you have to have your own draft picks. If you're going to be low in the standings, you can at least relish the loss, right? Like winning is fun. You know, you go head to head with your, uh, with another owner for a week and you win. It's like, yeah, I won the week. That's awesome. Yay. You move up in the standings. Um, it can, it's not quite as, as awesome as losing, but you know, when you have your first round pick and you're in a rebuild, you want to lose and you want to see your draft pick value increase. Um, so not having your draft pick and losing is just like the worst. You're, you're losing for nothing. You're giving someone else a better a better draft pick, whoever it is that's fortunate enough to own your, your lottery pick. It's just all bad. So if you're going to tank, have your own picks. So I didn't have my pick when I inherited this team, but I got it back indirectly. I traded Brad Marchand, um, JG Pajot, and Nick Paul, who I got earlier in the season are having higher value seasons than I think their actual worth is. Um, so that's a sell high situation entirely. And in return for those three players, I got Riley Smith, Matthias Ekholm, Troy Brower was a throw in. I had to take uh, Itu Tolola and three first round picks, including my own, which is in the top five lottery pick. Um, so the, the draft picks was the, the main target there. I got Matthias Ekholm, who's on a nice... Um, three million and change contract. Uh, so I have a, an asset that has some value uh, going forward for the uh, the medium range. Brower, I'm just going to drop after the season ends. Tolol is a prospect that uh, I had thrown in. I like him. I don't think he has a whole lot of upside. I'm not sure if he's ever going to make it to the NHL, but if he does, he'll be good in this uh, bangers and mash, keeping Carlson uh, kind of league because he likes to shoot. He's got a good shot, so he might score me some goals. So get a lot of shots. And he's a bangers and mesh player, so a lot of hits and probably some penalty minutes in there too. And then, of course, Riley Smith at five million bucks uh, was the player I took back to help balance the cap in the trade. But like I said, the real value in return was the three first-round picks. Another trade I made was I sent uh, Cam Talbot and David Camp from Chicago forward for uh, Devin Dubnik and uh, Arnie Talviti and Yegor Rykov, a couple of B prospects that I like um I didn't really feel like Dubnik was a player that had much more upside than than Talbot um maybe he does but really was the prospects that I liked getting there and then I also, tr also traded Hoffman Holden and Manji upon for Dougie Hamilton so this was a, a quantity for quality trade uh, I wanted Dougie Hamilton because, well, I like him. I'm a big fan. And I think he's a significant upgrade on any of the three players that I traded. So if you can get the best player back in a trade, that's usually a win. Uh, so I felt like I won that. But the person I made the deal with also got some depth. They're trying to win this year. So it helped them out too. 
So my roster now is as follows. My top forwards are uh, Stastny, Riley Smith, and Lawson Kraus. And then it drops off after that. Benino, Dezingle, Sanford, Gerb, Boyd, Hathaway, Sad, Kelman, Sakura, Brown, Bugstad. So I got some young players in there. Um, I like Sakura. I think he uh, hopefully can find his scoring touch that he had in the AHL where he was a Hobie Baker finalist um, and can he's been successful at the AHL level as well. He just needs to put it all together at the NHL and, and I'll have myself a top six forward there. I really like Lawson Kraus. Um, very familiar with him from his days in Kingston, but this is a multi-cat league and he leads the league or is up there with, with hits. And, uh, and he has the ability to to produce some, some shots and an offense as well. Uh, so I like him. Um, that's pretty much it for my forwards. On defense, I've got Dougie Hamilton and Matthias Ekholm. Those are two defensemen that I will use as my core going forward. I also have Tyson Berry and Cody Ceci and Travis Dermott from Toronto, the top two being unrestricted free agents, so they might be purged off my roster if they sign for too much. Sammy Vatanen, New Jersey Devils, having a very good season, taking over the top power play from Subban. I'm pretty happy to hold on to him. And then uh, the next three are all expendable, Madison Bowie, Mark Stone, and Oscar Fantenberg. Stone was UFA. I'll probably drop him after the season. Um, Bowie has minors eligible, which means he's played less than 160 games. So by our league rules, I can put him down on my prospect bench, but he's playing in the NHL currently, so that gives him extra value. Um, I think he's got some upside, uh, so I'll hold on to him for sure. Um, I also have Dufflin, Dustin Bufflin, who may or may not ever play in the NHL again, and my goalies are Crawford and Dubnik. Uh, Crawford's a, a UFA, so I'll probably be losing him after the season, so I certainly have a need for uh, goaltending uh, in the future. Uh, so let's take a look at my prospects. Who do I have that's coming to help me? Um, well, this could be better. Uh, Kiefer Bellows, Joe Valeno, Taro Hirose are probably my top three f uh, forward prospects. Uh, I have Letary, uh, David Cotton, Yan Yasek, Itu Tolola, um, Godin, Zavgarodny, Krags, Talvidi, Schleppitz. Um, so that's, you know, Valeno and, and Bellows and Hirose, I would say, have the best upside on the immediate short-term kind of scenario. Hopefully those players can all make it um, and play in a top six role. Uh, everyone else is either a, a long-term project or a boomer bust like Glenn Godden. On defense, um, Mikey Anderson, Alex Carrier, Brogan Rafferty, Yegor Zamula, Yegor Rykov, Max Gildon. Those guys, I think I'm pretty comfortable with those top six defense prospects. I think they're all, uh, they all have NHL upside either in the short or immediate term future. Uh, and some expendable prospects that I have are Roland McEwen, Dominic Machine, Nicholas Maloche, and uh, Lurby with the with the Flames. I do have some good goaltenders, uh, but they are a bit of bit of a weight. Uh, my first round pick from last year's draft was Spencer Knight, so uh, I got my future goaltender. It's just a question of how long before he makes it to the NHL. And you know he's first year NCAA player. They just signed Bobrovsky to that ten year eight year contract, so. Certainly won't be eight years that I have to wait for him, but it could be two or three. Uh, Petr Kochkov, Calgary Flame or Carolina Hurricanes, um, really like him. He might be a little bit quicker to the NHL than Spencer Knight, as he is an overage player in the draft last year. 
I also have uh, Samuel Urson, Philadelphia Flyers, and Keith Petrizuli, who's having a really bounce-back season in his, I think, third season of NCAA. So things are looking up for me there. Uh, so I'm in closer to a scorched earth scenario with my roster than I am um, with uh, a rebuild with Ben's team. Uh, so if hopefully in two years my roster will be ready to compete. I've got three first round picks this year, including a lottery pick. So I'll get a top prospect to add in there this year, um, and I'm pretty good at scouring the waiver wire for some good players. Um, so we'll see how it goes. So speaking of scouring the waiver wire and, and targeting players in drafts that you want to look at, here are some players who you might want to look at as your targets. So looking at the NHL this year and the top rookies, there's a, a bunch of players there that I think have a pretty low ownership across fan tracks. Guys like John Marino, who's a surprise uh, impact player this season with Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, his opportunity may have arose because of injuries to their roster, but his play, has, uh, his point production, has pretty much earned him a regular spot even when these players come back. Dominic Kubelik, of course, is having a, a breakout month, month or two. Uh, he's right up at the top of the league in scoring as well. Uh, Philip Zadina, Vitaly Krasov, these guys are all under 50% fan tracks ownership. Um... Some other rookies that you might want to target. I got a long list here, but guys like Cody Glass, Terra Rosie, Kirby Doc, Andrew Mangiapan, Barrett Hayton. Looking at these players, they're getting a lot of good opportunity with their team. They are producing at pro level hockey, producing at the AHL when they get a chance. Um, and then you've also got some players who should be on the brink of making the NHL full time next year. Guys like Sam Steele, Logan Brown, uh, Jake Bean in Carolina, Eric Brandstrom, another senator, uh, Jack Studnika with the Boston Bruins, Evan Bouchard on the blue line at Edmonton, uh, Kirill Kaprizov coming over from, from Russia in the KHL to Minnesota could be Artemi Panarin upside good in year one. Um, so if he's available on your team, he is absolutely a player that you want to target. Uh, Alexander Romanov, Montreal Canadiens defenseman. A couple of goalies in Elias Sorokin and uh, Shesterkin with uh, the New York Islanders and New York Rangers. Uh, Morgan Frost, Philadelphia Flyers. He's going to have an impact next season offensively. Uh, Russ Cohen mentioned his name in the last episode in our interview. Uh, Rasmus Sandin, Toronto Maple Leafs defenseman. He's two years in his NHL career already. He's ready to graduate. He was dominant at the World Juniors with Sweden on their first-round pick-filled blue line. He was their, their best defenseman. I also mentioned uh, targeting injured players as a potential as well for your rebuild. So here's a, a list of about 10 guys who are currently injured, either long-term or for the season, that you might want to contact their owners if, if they are owned on teams that are in contention, if you can weasel these players out for short-term game for them and long-term game for you. Uh, Yusuf Alamaki from Calgary Flames, Dougie Hamilton, Carolina Hurricanes, Anthony Mantha from Detroit, Jonathan Drouin, Montreal, Vladimir Tarasenko, St. Louis, uh, this year's preseason or early season rookie sensation, Victor Olofsson, Victor Golofsson, we were calling him, Ilya Mikheyev from Toronto, and, and Alex Texier 
from Columbus. Those are a couple of the players that you should be looking at at adding on to your roster. All right, so quick little timeout. Then we're going to talk about Ottawa Senators' top 10 prospects. Hang on. About a hockey team who may just win the Stanley Cup, but only in their dreams. The team is from Ottawa. The Senators is their name. Soon to be inducted in the Golfing Hall of Fame. They say they'll beat our leafers, ha, now there's a funny joke. Cause every year at playoff time, the Senators always choke. So three cheers for Ottawa, the real team, they are not Ottawa. They can give all that they've got a but the Stanley Cup will All right. Back with the next segment of the podcast, and it's time to talk about the Ottawa Senators. They're a team that's in a rebuild as well, and they're doing it really quickly. New York Rangers did a great job. They acquired a lot of picks, a lot of prospects. Carolina Hurricanes did the same thing under Ron Francis, acquired a lot of picks and a lot of prospects. And these teams are all starting to see the return on those investments. Uh, the Ottawa Senators are maybe just a little bit behind those two, but they have so many great prospects, and they got two more picks coming up in the early part of the 2020 draft. They could be both lottery picks uh, and great prospects to add to their, their pool. Uh, I'm fortunate enough to have their AHL affiliate less than an hour drive down the 401 in Belleville for me, so I've been a few times to this team and seen them play, and there's a lot to like on this roster. So the top three are pretty much what I consider to be of the blue chip to sure thing variety. And the number one prospect for the Sens is got to be defenseman Eric Brandstrom. He is an elite puck-moving defenseman. He's running the power play um, or part of running the power play in Belleville. He's had some looks in the NHL so far in his career already. Uh, his skill level is, is elite. Um, and I'd say he's right, pretty much right on par in terms of uh, upside as players like Cal McCarr and Quinn Hughes. He's, he's that good. Uh, number two would be Drake Batherson. Nice late bloomer. I've talked about him a number of times on the podcast. He's no longer um, a, a secret. Um, he's had some looks in the NHL. So he had a undrafted season in junior then he made team Canada on the world juniors uh, had a breakout overage season ended up being drafted in like the fourth round by the Sens which is just a ridiculous steal he can skate well he's got really good size he can play physical he's got great skill can handle the puck with speed there's so much to like about his game and he keeps developing he keeps improving he keeps you know he's found his scoring touch at the AHL he's leading the Ottawa in scoring and he plays in the NHL he's still producing there as well he scored two goals in, in a game with the Sens uh, in one of his first call-ups Ottawa doesn't have very many players under contract through this year they got a bunch of um, riffraff expiring which kind of follows up with what I was saying about rebuilding uh, so they'll have players who they'll be walking away from which will open up roster spots for these young prospects and Drake Batherson's one that'll inherit a top six role next year 
Logan Brown comes in at number three. Uh, talking about size, skill, and vision, he's got all three of those in spades. He is NHL ready now. I really like what I see from him. His puck protection is is excellent. He's really tall. He's got a nice long stick, so he's he's gotten very good at protecting the puck. So when they're working the cycle and he's against the boards, you know he, he turns his 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 back to the the opposing player that's giving him pressure, sticks his arse out and then keeps his stick out. And there's just no way the player can can reach through him to get the puck or knock it off. And when they try to go around him, they, you know, they go left or right and he just goes the other way. Uh, it, he's very good at creating time and space that way and it allows him to get the lay of the land and, and see what his outlet options are and either for either an escape or a pass. And he's got great vision. He makes tremendous passes. Um, I'd say he's NHL ready now. Uh, he'll be in a top six role with the Sens next year. Uh, number four prospect for the Auto Senators is Josh Norris. I've been pretty impressed with what I've seen from him when I've gone to the games. He's uh, probably going to be the AHL Rookie of the Year. I think he's the leading AHL uh, rookie scorer. Um, he would probably be back in the AHL next year. So back with the Belleville Sens. Um, just because they have all these other players who are already graduating. Uh, it's his first year in pro. You know, give him some time to adjust. Um and then give him some time next year as well where he can like really just dominate and be a star, like the go-to player on the team. Um, on the power play, it's pretty much a three-man unit that impresses me, and it's Branson and Brown particularly with their crisp, quick passes. Um, Branson moves so fluidly on the ice too that it's, it's easy for him to pop in and out of, of coverage and, and make himself available for a pass and his hands and his vision are so good that the puck doesn't need to be on his stick very long and, and he can bang 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 uh, move it along and then Josh Norris uh, it's like Ovechkin super light he likes to camp out near the face off circle and he's the guy that they, they try to feed the one timer to and, and he hammers it and the game I went to he had three shots he scored on one and swing and miss on the other two but the one he connected on was nothing but net. It was a really good shot. Uh, number five prospect for Ottawa would be Alex Formenton. He's a burner. He's got all kinds of speed. Um, it's an interesting story. It, when they drafted him, from right from the draft, he made it to the NHL, didn't play very much, but stayed on the roster for a couple of weeks. It was really weird. Um, and then his second season as well, he played in the NHL for a little bit before the Senators um, sent him back down to junior um, and he had an injury which cost him another shot at the World Juniors, I believe, if memory serves me correctly. So this is his first year in pro, and you would think that it almost looked like the Sens were really trying to, to force him onto the roster and, and push him through and, and bring him up sooner than later. So I would have thought that he would have been a likely candidate to at least play 50-50 with the AHL and NHL roster this year. And the Sens have been calling and, and, and recalling and sending down players on a daily basis this season. They have been very active in, in shuffling players back and forth and taking advantage of their geographical preference. Um, but not for Menton. He's played like the entire season in, in the AHL, which is surprising, but I think really good for his development. And I think he's one to two years away from being a top six uh, position in the NHL. 
Number six prospect for Ottawa would be defenseman Lassie Thompson. He was drafted out of the WHL, so he's already played an entire season in North America, adjusted to the rank size and the culture and all of that. And then his D plus one season that he's in right now, he's gone um, over to Europe and he's playing in the, I think it's the SHL actually, but he's finished and he looked really great at uh, the World Juniors uh, for Finland as well. He's got a great point shot. So maybe next year he comes back to North America to play a season in the AHL at a higher level of pro hockey than he is playing in Europe uh, before he's quite ready to make it to the NHL would be my ETA on him. Number seven prospect, my boy Vitaly Abramov. Big fan of him. So much fun to watch. Uh, he's a junior scoring sensation. I think he was um, first or second in the CHL in scoring for about two years. So that's the dub, the O, and the Q combined. Um, you know, he had like 200-point seasons and, and one that was just below. So he's a prolific scorer in junior. He's got great speed, great hands, tremendous shot. Um, he's not very big, but he doesn't play a soft game like uh, like SDA does with the Peets. Um, he can go around or, or try to go through players. He's not quite as effective at the physical game, but he does try. Uh, and this season, he's been uh, lights out good in the AHL. He was the player of the month in, in December, about a point a game, kind of pace. Uh, had a recall to the NHL this season, scored his first goal. I'll, I interviewed with him on my last episode, so if you like Abramov, listen to that. Um, he needs to show that he can score at the NHL level. He's proven it in junior, no problem there. He's proven it this year in the AHL, so that's no problem. Um, basically, what he needs to do now is 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 get a, a nice long look in the NHL, put a string of games together, and uh, see if he can see if he can do it. The number eight prospect is Rudolph Balsers. Uh, he was acquired in the Eric Carlson trade. Um, so, timeout. Ottawa Senators rebuild. They traded off a bunch of star players: Eric Carlson, Mark Stone, Matt Duchesne. They were all either too old, making too much money, or their contracts were coming to an end, and the Sens. Uh, I think got pretty good return for the most part in all those, um, and that is a good template to look at for um, what you should do for your rebuild. So Rudolph Balsers is a player that they got back as part of the Eric Carlson return. He had a couple of good seasons in the AHL. He's an AHL All-Star this season. Um, you know, all the players in this range are all yes, they've they've proven they can score at lower levels, and now they need to find consistency with their scoring at the NHL. So he's a player that I think is close and could be full-time NHL next year. The ninth prospect for the Ottawa Senators is a goaltender, and my rankings on on the Ottawa Senators goaltenders um, ha has changed from month to month throughout the last couple of years. Right now, I've got their top-ranked goalie as uh, Joey Decord, coming out of the NCAA, playing for the hockey hotbed of Arizona. Um, he's got the best stats this season out of all the goalies that have played for the Ottawa, or sorry, the Belleville Senators. Um, but he's competing with, uh, he's a 23-year-old, he's competing with Marcus Hogberg, who's 24, who has some NHL games this season. Uh, Philip Gustafson, who they've acquired from 
it was Pittsburgh or Philadelphia, I can't remember. Uh, he's 21. Uh, he has tremendous potential as well. And then they drafted Mads Sogard in the second round of this past draft. He's an 18-year-old with a lot of upside as well. So they've got four quality goaltender prospects, none that I would consider to be blue chips or sure things, um, but they all have starting goalie upside potential. Um, so hopefully for the Senators, one or two of these players will fulfill that potential. And then a testament to the depth of the Senators' defense, their 10th and final-ranked prospect is Jacob Bernard Docker. Uh, he just played for Canada at the World Juniors, and he looked pretty good over there. He's having a solid season in the NCAA. Um, it's his sophomore year. I think he's got, you know, we're looking at one more year of NCAA before he should turn pro, would be my guess. Um, I, I think you're going to see a lot fewer NHL teams feel comfortable letting their, their prospects, especially first-round draft prospects, play that fourth year of college because they lose the rights to the player if they don't sign by mid-August. And you have teams losing players like Adam Fox via free agency, and it it really sucks. You have a really good asset that you don't want to lose for nothing. Um, and, you know, they still can only sign an entry-level contract, so you're not saving a bunch of cap space. It's, it's just a painful loss. So a third-year... And then I think the Sens will press hard to turn him pro and let him play a season or two of AHL hockey. So that's a top 10 list for Ottawa Senators prospects. Quick recap, Eric Brandstrom, Jake Bath- uh, Drake Batherson, Logan Brown, Josh Norris, Alex Fermentin, Lassie Thompson, Vitaly Abramov, Rudolph Balsers, Joey Decord, and Jacob Bernard Docker rounds out 10. Uh, on the honorable mention, these are some players who could have easily worked into the top 10. Uh, you've got Philip Klapik. Uh, flip a coin, basically, between him and Rudolph Balsers, in my opinion, as to which one of those wingers will find consistency scoring at the a- NHL level first. Um, but, you know, Balsers is having a better season. He's a AHL All-Star this year, so gave the edge to him. You've got Shane Pinto, center in the NCAA. He's another player that had a standout World Juniors playing with USA. Uh, Jonathan Davidson, right winger. Max Lejoie, uh, defenseman, played uh, quite a bit at the start of the season last year in the NHL. Uh, people were scrambling to acquire him in their fantasy leagues. He's played most of this season back in the AHL, uh, but he still has a lot of promise. Uh, John Gruden, uh, left winger from OHL London Knights, 44 points in 41 games. That's pretty fantastic. Uh, so there's another five. And then I'll give you another five. These are some sleeper prospects who I think all have fantasy relevancy. Uh, uh, Jakov Novak, he's a center winger playing in the NCAA. Bentley, I think his team is. Um, he's played 24 games. He's got 23 points. That's pretty awesome. Uh, Marcus Nurmi, his point production isn't quite as eye-popping. He's a winger playing in the Liga, uh, 18 points in 41 games. Uh, I don't watch a lot of Liga hockey, but uh, he was in the Spengler Cup, so I got to watch him play a couple times in the Spengler Cup, and uh, he's okay. He's got good size. uh, He's got good skill. He's all right, but that's it. Uh, Max Verono, I spoke about him a little bit before. Um, he's another speedster, college free agent signing um, 
by the Sens at the end of last season. Played a couple of games in the NHL at the end of the year. Showed pretty well. Great speed. But only 10 points in 33 games in the AHL this year. Now, a couple of things to take into consideration there. One, he's a free agent at a college signee. So he's already in his mid-20s. So how up is the upside? And then the other thing to consider is he's playing on a great team in Belleville. So he's playing on like the third line. But if you look at who's ahead of him on the roster, like kind of the names I've talked about on this list, you're like, okay, I get it. I get why. Um, so there's there's still potential there for him to, to get more of a role and get more ice time and, and produce a little bit more. Uh, Johnny Tyconic, good friends with Jacob Bernard Docker, both picked uh, out of the same school, both playing in the same school in the NCAA, I think. Um, both Ottawa Senators prospects. He's got nine points in 17 games in the NCAA. He's a defenseman. That's pretty good. Um, and then another player who's a great sleeper prospect is uh, Mark Kastelik, I think his name is. Uh, center, uh, captain of the Calgary Hitmen in the WHL. He is uh, an overage player. So he's 20. He's six foot three. He's got 40 points in 37 games with the Hitmen, um, which is good. You know, he's he's 20, though, so keep that in mind. Um, but, hey, he's a point-of-game player. A point-of-game player in any league is, is pretty darn good. So coming up on an hour on this episode, that's about all I've got to say today. Thanks for listening. Um, coming up on another episode, I don't like to talk about guests that I have lined up because sometimes uh, things don't work out. Um, I did have someone from NHL.com who I was hoping to get on today's podcast, but it didn't work out. Um, I tried to get a couple other people on recently as well and timing or, or whatnot, uh, didn't happen, but another episode that I'm hoping to record on Tuesday is going to be, um, a mock draft where I'll be joined by a couple of the writers from Dauber prospects who follow the entry draft pretty close, a couple of smarter than me fellas. And, uh, like we did on last year's mock draft episode, We'll do, uh, not a live because this is a podcast, but like a round table where we do like a fantasy draft where maybe three or four of us. So if I get first pick, then I'll pick again at fourth or fifth, whatever the case may be. Uh, and every time we make a pick, we'll just talk about why we think the team would pick that player, why they're a good pick, why they're a good fit for that team. Is it just best player available or does it fill an organizational need or whatever? So that should be a really fun episode. Everyone loves a mock draft. So I look forward to that on an episode coming out next week. Until then, thanks for listening. Keep your stick on the ice. Though there were men before me That held you in their arms I got a love so hot and getting hotter It's setting off fire alarms Though there were girls before you I don't remember their names Ain't it a beautiful thing to watch a love or a season change Every night when I lay you down Lay you down to sleep now I'm thanking the Lord for blessing you with hockey teeth.
Those plans are all in the past Cause who among us could know That a love would come and grow So very fast Seems like we got in the car Drove that car to the beach And ever since that day Never very far away or out of reach, my beach. Every night when I lay you down, lay you down to sleep. You're not thanking the Lord for blessing you with hockey teeth. Every morning when we wake up. Our lips meet You know I'm thanking the Lord For blessing you with hockey tears mm -hmm.